That song was called Brave, sung by Sara Bareilles. Many people, it seems, are affected by the pandemic, and some of these symptoms are just beginning to come to light. As part of our commitment to report on wellness as part of lifestyle, reporter Adeline Ng speaks with Dr. Karen Morley on regaining your life with flexibility after a disappointing post-pandemic reset. A lot of people I find, when you ask about their purpose, they'll say to make a difference. Now that's actually a really good test of what a purpose is, but it isn't in fact a purpose itself, because human beings generally want to make some kind of difference. The gold、um, and the real sense of purpose comes from what kind of difference is it that you want to make. If you're feeling like you're on the edge of burning out, join the club. Many of us are not sure how we got to this point. When in a lot of cases, we've actually gotten what we wished for: more work from home hours, more flexibility from our bosses, more time with our family. What we didn't bargain for was what feels like burnout. Surprise, right? So how did we get here, and what do we do about it? My guest in this episode has just written a book on exactly this topic, specifically for the emerging post-pandemic world we find ourselves living in. Dr. Karen Morley is a leadership psychologist and leadership coach who has a new book called Flexibility. And here's a twist: listening back to the contents of this interview before sharing it with you has taken a new personal meaning for me. One of the things my healthcare practitioners have diagnosed me with is low cortisol. And they think it stems from an experience I had at work years ago, which was highly stressful at the time. What I didn't know was that I never recovered from that stress. I thought I did, but guess what? Not dealing with it properly is impacting my health today. Wow! So trust me and Karen when we say everything's interconnected. How you manage your day, your emotions, the clarity of knowing your purpose, and your ability to be flexible. Impacts your well-being for years to come. Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Pleasure to join you. It's a great book that you've written. It, it showed a great understanding of the pain a lot of people are going through with work from home and the impact that it's having on our mental health. But our listeners, of course, may not have read your book. So let's start with the stories you've been hearing from the people you've been working with. We all know that there's issues with having the lines blurred between what's office, what's home, and school. What have people been telling you about their experiences navigating all these shifting boundaries? Well, where do I start? There are so many different stories. Although I've got to say, there's a lot of commonality in the experiences that people are having、uh, and the experiences over the last two years. And I think. One of the things that's most critical to remind ourselves of is that it has been two years. That's a really long time to be dealing with very unusual, different circumstances,、um, to be、uh, asked to do more, to do differently, to pivot. You know, pivot again, and let's. Well, no, let's pivot one more time. <laughs> I mean, that's a huge ask. With the business leaders that I coach, even before the pandemic, it was very clear that a lot of people were just teetering on the edge of burnout. So people were working very hard; they had very high expectations. I work with high achievers, and they place a lot of demands on themselves. So before the point of COVID, lots of demand, etc. 
there was some burnout, but I guess we thought at that time it was, you know, an expected amount of burnout in the the community of leaders um, and the community of workers. But so many things happened. So number one was a big uncertainty. The fact of people working from home now, originally, or when we were in the early stages of COVID, okay, very uncertain, people were changing their priorities, but they were doing whatever it took. So they were working longer hours, they were doing it differently, they were, you know, problem solving new problems and challenges. And that lasted for about three or four months, but it hasn't let up since then. And that I think is the biggest concern right now, people have been surging They've been in crisis mode uh, for two years. And we kind of think that at some point in the future, we'll get to this wonderful, you know, paradise where things will go back to normal, where we won't have these kinds of challenges. Uh, We'll get back to things the way they were and that's not going to happen. And so people are struggling with what that means in terms of where they work. But also I think people are struggling a lot with themselves around how they should respond I think one of the really big challenges that's come out of the last couple of years is that there's an increased fear that people have about the security of their work. And I think that's one of the drivers that's keeping people working the long hours, keeping the high expectations, even though, as you say, there are so many other expectations with family and community that have added to the mix of that. Wow. I mean, when you've describe things that way, it sounds like a really toxic cocktail (laughs) that's about to explode. Um, And all of that must have some kind of long-term impact on our nervous system. I I mean, you're nodding your head. Yes, and people can't see that, but that is absolutely the case. And I think talking about it as a toxic cocktail is a good way to describe it because we can't surge and continue to surge and our bodies aren't designed for that. You know, our bodies are designed to respond to, you know, crises with, um, you know, that fight or flight response, but we're not meant to stay in that mode. And I think a lot of people have, and that's what's contributing to the feeling of burnout. I think, you know, in a technical sense, not everybody is necessarily feeling burnt out, which is about feeling exhausted, feeling somewhat cynical about your work and feeling that you're not effective. But I do think that many people are feeling exhausted and that's more than enough to be concerned. When our bodies are in fight or flight mode for too long, the wrong kinds of hormones are circulating throughout our bodies and they do have toxic effects. So we can talk about a toxic cocktail in the broader world around us, if you like, and that's what's provoking and promoting these sorts of behaviours. But internally, there's also a toxic cocktail of cortisol in particular, which stays in the bloodstream for too long. It leads to inflammation. There's very clear findings from the World Health Organization around the impact of chronic stress and overwork and burnout um, at work, and that is you are more likely to die. It impacts on your brain and your brain's ability to function. It potentially increases the chances of dementia. It has all sorts of outcomes that we should be very, very concerned about. I mean, I have a former colleague who's mother passed away and she says that she died from overwork um so and that was the first time I thought wow there's such a thing and I think a lot of times 
we don't realize how much burnout affects us until we find ourselves in in hospital or we hear stories of people who end up in in hospital mm. and it's just one of those things where you get onto this treadmill and you just don't know when to stop and you think you're okay until your body tells you no way you can't push anymore so yeah. um you know let's let's try to be i guess better at recognizing the signs that we need to start taking notice of which um you know we can talk about a little bit later on, but there are some stats in your book that quite shocked me. I mean, you bring up mm. this global study by Asana claiming that during the pandemic, only 26% of time was spent on meaningful work and a whopping 60% is spent on working on work, quote unquote. Can you explain that a little bit more? Because we think that we're doing all of this to be more productive, but the mm. reverse is, is true. Yes, yes. I think a lot of our time is actually being wasted. So that makes it doubly unnecessarily and doubly concerning. The work about work uh, thing is when we're arranging work or we're changing our work practices. Now, we did have to do a bit of that when the pandemic started and organisations had people working from home. There were some things we needed to do to change just how did we exchange documents if that wasn't already set up? How did we arrange our meetings? How did we connect with our customers? So setting up those systems is work about work. So it doesn't actually produce anything new that's tangible. What it does is help us change the way we were already doing something. So work about work is where we're changing what we do, we're introducing, you know, new systems, we're changing those practices. It doesn't create, at least in the short term, it doesn't create any different kind of outcome or any different amount of work. Now, obviously, a lot of the systems changes that we've looked to make over, I don't know, the last 20, 25 years have been about increasing productivity. And certainly the systems do allow that, but I'm just gobsmacked that's a technical word I think but I'm really <laughs> gobsmacked by the number of people who say to me their diaries are full from beginning of the day to the end of the day there's probably a 12-hour stretch for people who are working in global organizations that might be even longer those meetings a number of them are pointless they don't necessarily have agendas it's not clear why people are there there are a lot of people who don't say anything in the meeting there aren't necessarily clear outcomes and then what you do is you find yourself in groundhog day the next week or the next month having that same meeting with the same people in the room and what's the difference what's what's the value that came from the last meeting mm, it's really questionable so I think that there's a lot of unproductive uh, time that people are spending at work and quite a bit of my coaching over the last couple of months have, has turned to actually getting people to get their diaries out in front of them and let's look at what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis. Let's look at what you're doing and why you're doing it um, and make the assessment of what's valuable for you or not and then thinking about what can you do to help manage your day and your week and your month um, in a different way so that you can feel like you want to come to work, you can feel like the demands aren't too great and, you know, you're experiencing success or achievement in the work that you do. And when you do that and when you're focused on that, then that's going to be dealing with a lot of the, the potential criteria that create burnout. 
I think some of the things in our schedule we kind of already know would be things that we could easily remove. We just maybe need the permission to be able to talk to our bosses or to the other people who are party to that meeting about your real needs. But then I think a lot of us also don't really know where to start with this. I mean, I don't even consider myself a super high achiever. And yet I look at my schedule and I have times blocked from morning till evening for different parts of my life. I mean, from writing work to looking after my clients to running my podcast to seeing healthcare practitioners, Zoom calls, business building, volunteer responsibilities. I don't even have time for important things like exercise and journaling and a few other things labeled important but not urgent that I know need to be in there. So <laughs> I, I suspect you said that maybe that's not burnout. It's probably overwhelmed. But in any case, I'm thinking, I don't know how this happened. But what do I need to change if I can't take anything out? Yeah, I think that's overwork, which is not the same as burnout. I, I think when you're in a state of burnout, it can be hard to kind of get out of bed in the morning to feel motivated to do the work. So, you know, it's a real shift that you notice in your whole perspective and demeanour and ability to do work. And I think a lot of people might be like you. You sort of teeter on the edge of doing way too much, but you don't flip into burnout, luckily. You don't. So that's good. So why don't we do that? I, th I think there are things like fear of missing out, particularly well, for achievers or moderate achievers. There's the fear of authority figures. I know I was having a conversation with someone recently who was getting up at 4am in the morning in order to be able to spend a couple of hours doing her writing and policy work that she needed to do, which was, you know, the, the crux of her job. She was doing that before her workday started. So that's, that's just crazy. She's got young children amongst other things and, she, and she's just a human being. Doing that is um, a slippery slope to, to burnout or exhaustion um, or giving up, which is the thing that um, a number of women in particular have done during COVID in the face of all of those uh, sorts of challenges. It becomes too hard so you give up as a consequence so I think what you can do what I write about in the book is that to get back kind of in charge of your work and your work environment you need to get back in charge of yourself so the book starts with um, a focus on first understanding what's happening when you are under stress and pressure. It's important to know that so at least you're aware of what it is you're doing. And if you choose to keep working, if you choose to experience those levels of stress, at least you have some understanding of what's going on. Um, and it might shift you know, how wedded you are to doing things in that way. But the most important thing to do is to have a sense of purpose particularly if people want to have a balanced life and just about everyone I know does want to have some sense of balance um, so that yes, work is important, but also exercising and taking care of yourself is and being involved and engaged with your family is as well. So really being able to outline what your purpose is to be able to say it makes a huge difference. It has a very big impact on well-being. Adelaine Ng there speaking with Dr. Karen Morley. To hear the whole interview, just search for Adelaine's podcast upon arrival using your favourite podcast app. This is the Travel Writer Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.